Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie's six days of giveaways are already in progress from now until the day after Christmas. MyBookie is hooking up players with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes all completely free. Use our promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for instant deposit match up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and betters, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch we're only interested in underdogs who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset time to find out it's three dog thursday now here's your host tj reeves yes indeed we now know the final four teams for the college football playoff and all of the assorted bowl game matchups I do say right off the top, though, how many of these bowl games are going to get played, and heaven forbid, oh, do we even want to entertain, can they get the college football playoff games played due to COVID-19? It is all part of what we do here, trying to deal with it at the end of 2020. We have reached Christmas week. Ho, ho, ho. Here we are on the only digital radio show that devotes itself, that uh, continually looks at analyzes the little guy, the guy not given much of a chance, the underdog in college football and the NFL as part of Three Dog Thursday. I am only the somewhat lucid and capable host. I've got special guests coming up with me to help decipher the bowl games, help analyze championship Saturday this past weekend, tell you about what's coming up for the college football playoff and more and all the discussion about Alabama and Notre Dame, as well as Clemson and Ohio State, which will be meeting apparently in the semifinals for about the 18th time in the college football playoff. Uh, here we go with those matchups. And the guests that will be with me, you will recognize, including Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com. We'll see if there is a lump of coal in his stocking from previous underdogs. Of course there is not. We gave you last week, he did, the Florida Gators in the SEC title game as the double-digit underdog with Alabama. Ding! That's a cover. I had Tulsa Golden Hurricane in the American Conference Championship game. Ding! That's another underdog as they hung in with Cincinnati. T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas came proper, came correct with Northwestern. Uh, in the matchup with Ohio State in the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. Ding! 
I called that game. So we, we've got underdogs every which direction. And Brian will be here first from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider to talk some college football. Uh, then Peter Burns of the SEC Network. I love catching up with him. Plenty of Southeastern Conference football talk, as there should be, with Alabama being the top team and the SEC being so prevalent, again, in deciding the national championship. I want to talk to Peter on that. Their win over Florida, Devontae Smith's Heisman uh, hopes, which I believe, again, he's the best player on the best team. Forget about, forget about it just being in a quarterback award for Kyle Trask or for Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback. Uh, I do like what Chris Stewart said on this very podcast last week. How do you choose between Jones, a quarterback, Najee Harris, the running back, the record-breaking running back this season with all the touchdowns, and, and Devontae Smith, who's been phenomenal at wide receiver? Um, it, it is just uh, a, a wealth of, uh, of talent every year at Alabama. It is almost obscene how many skill position guys they have that plug in and go ahead of the NFL. And Devontae Smith is the latest. But I, I really believe in this crazy 2020 year, there's a legitimate chance we could be looking at, like Desmond Howard and Tim Brown, uh, that you're going to have a wide receiver slash returner type player that ends up winning the Heisman Trophy Award. We will see. But anyway, Peter Burns and I will talk about that. We'll talk about the new Auburn hire. Brian will have some thoughts on it. But Peter and I also some thoughts on the Boise State coach, Brian Harson getting the Auburn job. That and a lot more with Peter Burns in the middle segment. Plenty of NFL football to talk about and underdogs as well, including my B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers now on the cusp of a playoff bid for the first time since 2007. My Bucks have not had a 10-win season since 2010. Hey, if the Cleveland Browns can get to 10 wins and can be as relevant as they have been at this late stage of a season since Bill Belichick was their coach in 1994, why can't my Bucks reach back like the John Gruden days? and be playoff caliber. That's the last time they were in the playoffs, 2007, under John Gruden. The Bucks need only to beat the lowly Lions on Saturday. And we'll get into this later on when we talk NFL. Who's going to coach the Lions? Is Bobby Ross going to coach the Lions? Who's going to get out there and, and coach the Lions because of COVID-19 contact tracing? They've already fired Matt Patricia. Maybe our buddy Dan Leach uh, from up in the media, 97 won the ticket in Detroit and uh, and Leach's uh, All Sports Station and also the Task Force, his online show. Maybe he will coach the Lions this weekend with Matt Stafford, Adrian Peterson, and company. That is a Saturday game for the Bucks to try to win and get in the playoffs. Playoff implications all over the place, including the NFC least, where the Washington Redskins will attempt to get in. Uh, here can the Redskins get in with a win. And a Giants loss, the Redskins lock up the division. But I believe there's an interesting NFC East doggy that I will be taking uh, at the end of the show. What happens and how many TVs are going to be on on the Hawaiian Islands Saturday night? We already know that's Tua Tonga-Vailoa playing for the Miami Dolphins. What about if it's Marcus Mariota for the Vegas Raiders who have to win to have any hope of the AFC playoff chase as a wild card? Vegas and John Gruden, speaking of him, clinging to playoff hopes. If it's Tua against Mariota, holy smokes, 90% of the TVs in Hawaii are going to have this game on Saturday afternoon because, remember, they're five hours behind now in Hawaii, so it's still Saturday afternoon on the islands. 
uh, for this matchup in paradise for Vegas and Miami in Vegas. We'll talk about that in our NFL, in our NFL segment, but plenty to discuss about the playoff picture. What is wrong and a, a, a historic and historic, a historic and historic tailspin right now for the previously 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, who've got to play two really good teams and could go from 11-0 to 11-5 if they don't beat either one of them. Having to play Indianapolis at home and then play the Browns in the finale, where they could go from a shoe-in to be the one or the two seed to maybe being 11-5, not winning the division, and being a wild-card road team? And we'll see what Brian Edwards thinks about those Pittsburgh Steelers. Does he dare in this matchup upcoming with uh, the Indianapolis Colts, the 10-win Colts, who also have to win in the AFC playoff picture? Lots of games. That that Tennessee-Green Bay game is fantastic on Sunday night football as well. So it is Christmas week. Enjoy the holiday. Be safe. I know a lot of you have been traveling. Some of you are listening while traveling here uh, as the podcast releases on Christmas Eve. you got Christmas Day on Friday. And then a ton of games as it all unfolds for college football and the NFL for Saturday, for Sunday, and even Monday night where ding dong, the witch is dead. The Patriots fail to win the NFC East or the AFC East first time in 15 years. They've not been the AFC East champs or or what is it? uh, 2008, right? 13 seasons. They are staring down the barrel with a loss Monday night to the Buffalo Bills, who are now the AFC East champs, of having a losing season for the first time since before Bill Belichick became their coach. That is what is writing on this one coming Monday night or in the Patriots uh, finale with the hapless Jets. They better win this one on Monday night because other than that, it is a nine-loss-at-least season for New England. All right, so there's a little NFL talk. You know, back to the college for a couple of moments. I did see Ohio State firsthand in Indianapolis on Compass Media Networks for the Big Ten Championship game this past Saturday. Tiki Barber and I were on hand on Compass Media Networks all over the country. Got a lot of feedback from a lot of you that were able to hear the game. Thank you for that. In a word, Ohio State unimpressive. They were unimpressive last weekend. You could talk about rust off of the COVID-19 postponements and canceled games, didn't get to play Michigan the week before. I know they had players out of the lineup uh, because of COVID-19 and contact tracing. That's nobody's fault but theirs. That they couldn't play with Chris Olave at wide receiver, uh, Marcus Hooker at, uh, at safety, Baron Browning, the linebacker. It's their own fault that those guys... I couldn't play because of COVID-19 and contact tracing on that. But even still, having seen Alabama firsthand three times this year, as Tiki and I did, that Ohio State team is nowhere near. And this is this is where the college football playoff committee really fell short here. And we're going to discuss this more with Brian and with Peter. They could have put Cincinnati in in this crazy 2020 year because I don't know that the Big Ten, we saw no out-of-conference games. I don't think the Big Ten is very good, and we have no way to know. The college football playoff committee, they have no credibility on saying that the Big Ten's a strong conference because you don't know. They didn't play anybody out of the conference, and they played far fewer games. And they're going to have far fewer teams in bowl games, too, because of teams opting out, etc. We ultimately aren't going to know how good for another week or so the Big Ten might have really been until we see what Iowa or Wisconsin 
or Northwestern look like playing outside of the conference. Heck, the Pac-12 will never know. They only got two teams playing bowl games. Oregon upset uh, USC in the Coliseum. We talked about that game a lot last week on Three Dog Thursday. And Oregon won the game last Friday night. Oregon and Colorado are the only two Pac-12 teams. Out of 12 teams, there's two in bowl games. We don't really know how good the Pac-12 was going to be. And we really, honestly, we have an idea. The SEC year in and year out is the strongest conference. Has the most NFL players. We believe they're going to be good. And they've got far more teams in bowl games for this go-around. The ACC, again, was not allowed to play out-of-conference games. So we don't know. The the Big 12 did play some, but they lost to Sunbelt teams. How good is the Big 12? How good is anybody? That's why the, the CFP committee... Could have easily put Cincinnati in if they wanted and said this is just a convoluted convoluted year. Screwed up year. Let the Bearcats get in with their 9-0 record, their AAC championship game win. They had to, they had to struggle in the final a couple of minutes to get the game-winning field goal and finish 9-0. I mean, we now see why the American Conference protected itself, CYA. They didn't want Tulsa to have two cracks at Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks because Cincinnati uh, uh, stands to make a ton of money, which they have, in a New Year's Six Bowl game now. And the conference shares in some of that money amongst its teams. They were protecting that by anointing the Bearcats-Tulsa game as simply the championship game, not two matchups. They were already going to be the championship matchup. Just play it once. And you feel for Tulsa because if they had gotten a crack to beat Cincinnati in the first game and then play a home game to win the title, might have been different. And, of course, the AAC, the American Conference, was fully aware that Coastal Carolina might take Cincinnati's spot, might jump in front of them as the group of five representative that was higher ranked. And, of course, little did we know that Coastal Carolina couldn't play last week because of COVID-19 right on the verge of the game with Louisiana. It's just been a crazy screwed up year. But, obviously, the front of the jersey, the conference you played in, mattered more for Ohio State. It mattered more for Notre Dame. Again, Notre Dame won 10 games and beat Clemson. Uh, and and won a game late in the year at North Carolina that solidified its spot for the playoff. And they're Notre Dame for the television eyeballs and the cash grab. And Ohio State is Ohio State for the television eyeballs and the cash grab coming on New Year's night. Get ready uh, for that uh, coming uh, in these matchups as now, again, crazy 2020 year, we get the Rose Bowl that we're calling it in air quotes being played at AT&T Stadium. They once played the Rose Bowl in Durham, North Carolina because of the threat after the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941 of of whether or not there was going to be another attack on the West Coast of the United States. So the Rose Bowl didn't play at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena that year. Now in this bizarre COVID-19 2020 year, the Rose Bowl is the game being played at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas between Alabama and and Notre Dame. And and look, it makes obvious sense that if you can have 20,000 socially distanced Alabama and Notre Dame fans in that stadium and California doesn't want to socially distance and allow anybody to be there and spread out at the Rose Bowl, in particular the family and friends of the players, I get why the CFP is doing this. I was at, again, the Big Ten Championship game where they allowed friends and family of both Ohio State and Northwestern. They had around 2,500 or 3,000 fans. To me, again, if you can spread them out all over the stadium, as we have done throughout the Southeastern Conference, the ACC has been spreading fans out, the Big 12 the same way. Spread, they're no less dangerous being outside sitting at the stadium spread apart 
than they are walking around at a shopping mall or a Target or a Walmart uh, walking around with masks and socially distanced. They're just, it's not. So I understand why the CFP did that uh, for the Rose Bowl. So that game moved, and, and these will be two humongously watched showdowns, and we all expect that Alabama and Clemson uh, will be there once again. They've been the two premier programs year in and year out, and we will talk much more about this and about the matchups. Brian Edwards will be with me. Peter Burns will have thoughts on them as well in the middle segment and much more. By the way, I should have already mentioned by now, but I, I customarily do this at the beginning. I'll, I'll do it here. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so. Find us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast. Subscribe away as part of Three Dog Thursday. It will come automatically to you. We'll be here with a New Year's Eve episode next Thursday. comes automatically to you if you subscribe. You have been finding us by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands through the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows and sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Thank you to all of you that have been listening throughout the fall, throughout the football season, and continue to subscribe. Many of you are subscribing. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. More and more of you will be able to find it and be able to see us. If you give us a five-star review, it helps us move up in the rankings. If you love Three Dog Thursday, spread the word. And subscribe to the show. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Three Dog Thursday on YouTube. Come find us. See the Peter Burns interview. See all of our conversations from recent weeks. Whether it's Shannon Spake around Thanksgiving time. Uh, whether Like last week when we were talking about Alabama and USC and kicking exploits. My Buccaneers didn't end up needing a kicker. But it was a fun segment last week with Jason Powers and Danielle McCartan. T.C. Martin coming on the program to talk kicking and specialists and Hey, how about the Jets go ahead and win a game last weekend over the Rams with uh, now no one's going to finish winless this year in the NFL. Jacksonville won the first game, and they're apparently going to lose every one of them after that, 15 in a row. The Jets lost 13 in a row and then beat the playoff-bound Rams, damaged the Rams' playoff hopes, damaged their NFC West hopes. Go figure. But anyway, check out all the shows on YouTube and the Three Dog Thursday page via YouTube. All right, uh, so there you go. With all of the housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the football, the picks, the bowl games. Again, I am apprehensive about a lot of these games being played in college football. I, I fear that COVID-19 is going to take down several more of them. I'll express that with, with Brian. But we've got plenty to, to talk about, kick around, and discuss for this week and next week in college football. Let's get to it. Lots of NFL talk later on in the podcast. Two weekends to go in the NFL. Who's going to win in these different playoff scenario matchups i am anxious to talk all about it with lots of underdogs here we go yes indeed as the christmas holiday is approaching and uh, i think he has got his list he's checking it twice to see which underdogs have been naughty and which ones have been nice brian edwards majorwager.com and vegas insider back on board on three dog thursday my friend congrats we did I uh, come through several different times last week. You preached to anyone that would listen for that SEC title game that the back door would be wide open for the Florida Gators to keep scoring on Alabama. I didn't exactly believe that that would be the case, but you made a believer out of me with that uh, that pick as uh, Florida hung in in a wild SEC title game. You got that one. I had the American Conference title game doggy, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, who hung in and lost on a last-second field goal to Cincinnati but did cover the two-touchdown line. You also 
had success with the Washington football team sliding through, even though they lost to Seattle. They did get the cover. And uh, so we, we did have some underdogs last week on the show, so it's good to have you. We were handing out some early gifts as part of the holiday season yep. and the Christmas season. How you feeling? Yeah, TJ, uh, feeling pretty good. Merry Christmas. You know, I don't do moral victories. I mean, ATS-wise, the Gators came through. But, uh, man, Dan Mullen had a cut. Look, I like Mullen a lot. I'm glad he's my coach. But he had some mad hatter-like <laughs> clock management mistakes. And Florida, man, we had three third-down stops in the first half and got penalties to keep drives alive. That was, You know, each one of those was – seven-point swings, and Florida really, 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 really had just made some mistakes or could have won that game. I hope I I did a lot of radio last week. I hope I squeezed in. I know we talk underdogs mostly. I hope I squeezed in the fact that I loved the over uh, at some point. You did. Yes. Good, good, good. Well, glad to to know that I did do that. Um, But uh, congrats to Bama. I think they will – Houston's going to have a little something for them, but um, I'm pretty sure Bama's going to win it. Well, and so the college football playoff rankings are now uh, set and out there. And so I already said a couple of things just in the preamble before you have come on board. I guess number one, uh, as I said, I worked the Ohio State-Northwestern game with Tiki Barber on national radio in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And the the word that I come back to is unimpressive. They were unimpressive in that championship game. Yes, they won it, but it was ugly. It was grinded out. Uh, I I mean, I know the argument can be made that Alabama's defense wasn't impressive against Florida and that they only won by a touchdown, but I think that's more about how good Florida's offense is. Um, So anyway, the playoff shakes out with Ohio State getting in. Notre Dame gets throttled. By by Clemson, which both of us said stay away from Notre Dame, and we were right in the ACC title game rematch. So it sorts out Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State yet again in the semifinals. Brian, what are your thoughts? I've given some thoughts now. What are your thoughts on the matchups now that the college football playoff committee uh, spit those out Sunday? You know, I, Texas A and M uh, had had a you know a, a legit case. And but I mean, I, you know, I, I um I was thoroughly impressed with what Notre Dame, as I've said before, what they did at Boston College and at North Carolina was very impressive to me. And uh, I, I can't I can't have a beef with uh, the four teams they chose. You know, if you are making a you know if you really really think Notre Dame's definitely better than A and M, you would have liked for them to have at least kept the game. A little bit closer, but um, yeah, I got no major problem with it. If I'm an A&M fan, I'm probably a little ticked off. But uh, but isn't your problem yeah. more so if you're an A&M fan or Cincinnati fan who's upset that you won nine games? Is that Ohio State was allowed in there the entire way uh, with fewer games than everybody else because they started later and they had COVID problems canceling games? So Ohio State ends up getting in the playoff despite only winning six games, six and zero. Oh, uh, when the other teams won at least 10 games to get in the playoff. It really Ohio State only beat two legit teams, and they had so many open dates even. I don't know it wasn't necessarily their fault, but uh, 
Yeah, I get. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess your problem if you're A and M is more with uh with Ohio State's invitation than uh than Notre Dame's. Really, yeah. Good, good point. And, um, and and the other big key uh, on this is that they were anointing Ohio State already earlier in the process by leaving them in as the fourth-ranked team when they only had three or four wins. I'm going to elaborate on this in our middle segment. Peter Burns of the SEC Network and the ESPN platforms, he's on the video roundtable, and I'm making the same point uh, when I talk to him. That Because he's been critical of the committee, we've been critical of the committee, and it's indefensible that they had Ohio State in that four spot back like in the second ranking. When they played their first and second game, they had them in the four spot. So it was almost like they were previewing for you, we're going to keep them there if they went out and win the Big Ten. And if Peyton Ramsey just plays halfway decent this past Saturday, Northwestern wins that football game. I mean, he was just awful. I right. mean, awful. Had the turnovers. I mean, had so many scoring opportunities that he just took. He was, he was brutal the other day. He yeah, like, but... reminded me of Treon Harris. <laughs> From the Gators. He had an interception in the end zone, in the red zone, where they got no points. He had a fumble on his own. They had another missed field goal uh, where he took a couple of sacks. So, uh, yeah, Northwestern had their chances. The Buckeyes do get in. And, uh, and we're coming quickly to those uh, playoff matchups. We'll be talking about them already on Three Dog Thursday next week because of how extended the championship game schedule was into later December. So uh, in any event, they have set those uh, playoff matchups now. They are, uh, they are in. They are locked in. And the New Year's Six Bowl games filtered out uh, after that. So that's going to kind of lead us now into discussion about the games and, and what we might or might not be taking because we've already got bowl games that are happening this week, this weekend. And we've done this every year on Three Dog Thursday because we do not come back until next Thursday, Brian, which is New Year's Eve, the 31st. Any game is fair game, including early next week in the New Year's Six or otherwise. So looking over the slate, where do you want to begin and why with a possible underdog here for Three Dog Thursday? Yeah, I want to start with uh, UTSA plus 14 or at least they were at last look, and I'm looking at odds. Yeah, they're still plus 14 against the Ragin' Cajuns. So now for all of these bowl games, we, you and we got a lesson on that yesterday uh, with uh, Tulane and Nevada. They had three uh, opt-outs apiece that were starters on defense, um, which obviously led to a uh, over um you got to be on top of that. And look, Chance McCormick, the nation's leading rusher for UTSA, is a true sophomore, so we have no worries whatsoever. He will not be opting out. And UTSA has won three games in a row and four of its last five. And they've been a double-digit underdog twice this year. At BYU, they were catching 34-and-a-half. They lost 27-to-20. Uh, if memory serves, I want to say they even had the lead in that game uh, parts of the second half. And they were also a 21-and-a-half-point underdog at UAB, and they lost 21-13. to 13. So they played two one-possession games on the road uh, in back-to-back weeks, and they covered the spread uh, as they were 21-and-a-half and 34-and-a-half-point underdogs. They covered the spread to the closing line by 40-and-a-half combined points in their two double-digit dog uh, spots this year. They also won outright at Texas State uh, as a six-point 
underdog. And you look at Louisiana, they've been a double-digit chalk six times, two and four against the spread, and they've been favored by nine or more seven times and are two and five uh, against the spread. And their run defense is ranked only 84th in the country, and they are facing Chance McCormick, nation's leading rusher, 6.0 yards per carry average. And, and Frank Harris, the QB, uh, he also runs it extremely w- r- well for the Roadrunners. Also, I also think of bowl games as uh, not the end-all, be-all, but two important factors that I take into account are location and motivation. Uh, as for location, we're playing in the state of Texas. Not that Lafayette is that far, and sure. I haven't broken out the Google. I haven't broken out the Google Maps. I mean, maybe Lafayette's even closer to to Dallas than San Antonio. But um, I uh, I think that uh, motivation is on the side of UTSA. This is the only the second bowl game in program history, and the first since 2016. Whereas Lafayette, I think a lot of them you know, wanted a rematch with Coastal. They had to cancel the Sun Belt game, and there were reports that they were trying to line up a bowl game between Louisiana and Coastal. Did not come to fruition. So maybe they're disappointed in this matchup, obviously being a 14-point favorite in a year where they beat Iowa State by 17, and their only L was the undefeated Coastal. So I think location and motivation favors us, as does the double-digit dog stats and the double-digit chalk stats being a negative for the Raising Cajuns. Yeah, you've been a big proponent of that in, in all of these uh, bowl instances that we've had you on on Three Dog Thursday of who who is still motivated. And that's that's going to be kind of filtering into my college underdog that I'm going to have in a little bit. And again, we should we should circle back to last week because this time last week we were looking forward to that Coastal Carolina game with Louisiana, the Sunbelt title game that was supposed to have happened in Conway, South Carolina. But lo and behold, on the day before it, Last Friday, Coastal just said they threw their hands up and said, we can't play this game. We don't have enough players at key position groups where we can safely play the game. And so disappointing because that would have been another data point. I'm not saying that they would have gotten into uh, the college football playoff. They wouldn't have. They weren't ultimately going to get into the New Year's Six because Cincinnati was the higher-ranked team and they went ahead and won. But I would have loved to have seen that game, the rematch game, and seen it again, and it didn't happen, uh, as you mentioned. And Coastal Carolina ends up getting into uh, a bowl game with that. All right, so you've got Texas-San Antonio. Again, that is a Saturday afternoon game at the time that we're taping, post-Christmas, on Saturday afternoon in that matchup, getting uh, 14 points. Do you have another one for this weekend, or are you going to venture into next week? Because that's where I'm headed with my underdog pick. So chronologically, do you have another one before middle of next week that you like on Three Dog Thursday? I do not want to commit to it because of uh, just potential opt-outs and COVID. I'm just, I'm just saying I'm going to be keeping an eye on whatever personnel news there is for Oklahoma State at Miami. Obviously, Chuba Hubbard <clears throat> excuse me, will not be playing. Like I, I will be maybe considering Miami if if I you know if we get you know news that you know pretty much everybody is playing for Miami and maybe an opt-out or two for Oklahoma State or an injury or two I'll make I'll be keeping an eye on it maybe looking for reasoning to back the Canes as they are two point maybe even two and a half point dogs at some spots to Oak State uh that's on the 29th and then also you know we're not very far removed 
from Coastal, you know, opting out of that game because of COVID. So if we find out that, you know, Coastal is still going to have some COVID absences, uh, Liberty, you know, had the COVID issues, but that seems like it was three to four weeks ago. You would think they'll be back to full strength. So perhaps I'll be looking at Liberty. But then again, between now and kickoff, <clears throat> excuse me, of Liberty, we might see Jeremy Pruitt get fired and a lot of uh, smoke around Hugh Freeze going to Rocky Top. So I'm not going to commit, but I'll be keeping an eye on potentially Liberty in Miami. And again, Liberty's Coastal Carolina game is Saturday night at the time that we're taping here. And again, for the Miami game, that one will uh, be coming, as you mentioned, next week on Tuesday of next week with Oklahoma State. Of course, Miami gave up a gazillion rushing yards in their last contest with North Carolina. Just a humiliating loss uh, for them. But you mentioned Chuba Hubbard not playing uh, in that game. And I'm just going to piggyback on what you're saying. We, we can't... That we can't go more than a day or two and know who's playing where. Because, for example, they already canceled the world-famous Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa that comically was going to have a 2-8 and eight team, South Carolina, in a bowl game. They canceled the bowl game because South Carolina can't play. They don't have enough players. So UAB doesn't have an opponent. Might they slide in if somebody else can't play in a subsequent bowl game? We'll see. Bill Clark's team, UAB, certainly won the Conference USA title game last Friday night uh, against Marshall. They would hope to have a bowl opponent, but the the Gasparilla Bowl is completely canceled. It's one of a half dozen bowls that got extinguished uh, over last weekend and the beginning of this week. You mentioned Tennessee. Uh, They had to opt out because of too many COVID problems from the Liberty Bowl. Uh, that that matchup now is Army against West Virginia and not Tennessee for the game in Memphis. Uh, but again, uh, Brian, just as a general comment, we're, we're releasing this podcast on Thursday, on Christmas Eve, and it would not surprise me if a couple of these games for this weekend or early next week are already canceled by the time we get to Friday, Saturday, etc. It is just a bizarre set of circumstances and, and trying to cram all these bowl games in immediately uh, it's it's backfired already, and I think it's going to continue to backfire. Wouldn't surprise me if we lose two or three more of these games, is what I'm saying, in the next few yeah. days. <clears throat> yeah, if I'm Bill Clark up in Birmingham, I, you know, I'm going to keep practicing and keep preparing because, uh, you know, I, I would imagine most teams have just completely shut everything down. I would I would be ready on standby if I'm Bill Clark and the Blazers. I mean, he turned down Auburn. You just won Conference USA everybody's got to be in a good mood. I mean, keep on practicing and, and stay on standby. Yeah, and yeah, they, they mean, want a shot. They want a shot at a power five, and they may get a shot at a power sure. five school, depending sure. on who's not there. And UAB slated to move into a new facility, a new uh, stadium for next season uh, as well. I know they're touting that uh, coming up. Uh, so we will see. Uh, speaking of the Auburn thing, let's stop right here before I get to my underdog. I haven't asked you yet about the hire of Brian Harson, the coach from Boise State, which, again, I mentioned at the very top. We're going to talk more with Peter Burns of the SEC Network in the middle segment here. I, I thought it was a smokescreen, brilliant play by Auburn. People can, people can joke around. You saw all these names of coaches and coaches turning it down. You never saw the name Brian Harson until all of a sudden he was hired on Tuesday afternoon. That tells me that Auburn was doing some stealth things, probably in and around the Mountain West Championship game from last weekend. And, and the end result 
is Harson comes out of the Mountain West, also the former Arkansas State coach, to Auburn here. Um, I mean, it was per- it was perfect. It was perfect to see all of those names and not his name. So I'm giving them some credit here on at least the stealth on the hire. Brian, what are your thoughts on him coming to the SEC? Uh, you know, it's very un-Auburn-like. In fact, I heard or read a stat that this is their first hire of somebody that has not coached in the SEC or either been from the state of Alabama or coached in the state of Alabama before since the 1940s. Very un-Auburn-like. And, you know, whether they actually – I mean, I, I think they did offer Napier. Whether they offered Clark or not, I don't know. They had two interviews with him. Um, it, you know, I like the hire. My, my quick hit reaction, the solid hire. Um, my only concern would be, you know, not necessarily the recruiting connections in the South, although he was at Arkansas State one year and he was on Mac Brown's Texas staff for two years. Um but Auburn recruits itself. I mean, they're a powerhouse. I, this guy's only 44 with all kinds of experience, 69 and 19 at Boise. You know, uh, I think every uh, win, uh, win total was double digits except for one. I think he had one nine-win season. Uh, only 7-5 in one year at Arkansas State, but it was just a one-year sample. Uh, he's young. He's got loads of head coaching experience, many conference titles. I think this is a really good hire. And when I say un-Auburn-like, that's a compliment to them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, if I'm an Auburn fan, I, I'm very pleased with this hire, no doubt. All right, so that's the that's the move for their future, and we'll see how it plays out for Auburn. That's the voice of Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com. Great info, great insight. Uh, also, Vegas Insider, uh, off his social media, etc. Bowl game info, injury info, weather info. Keep it locked in to his Twitter handle at Vegas B Edwards and also to majorwager.com for all the stuff on the bowl games. So I want to give out a college dog. And again, I'm taking a real risk because we're this is a week out from the time that we're talking right now. One of the New Year's six games, the Cotton Bowl, Florida and Oklahoma. So the Sooners are back in the New Year's six and back playing in the same place where they just won the Big 12 title game, the rematch win over Iowa State. Getting points, getting two and a half or three, depending on where it is. Uh, Kyle Trask will play in the game, the Florida quarterback, as far as we know. Kyle Pitts, the tight end, will not play in the game. Florida's defense, non-existent most of the season, exposed again by Alabama last week. I like Oklahoma again a week from now with just the simple caveat that waiting a week, we don't know who's out because of COVID-19. Who opts out, I don't know. But if I'm pinned down to take an underdog, I will take Sooners right now in that Cotton Bowl, uh, Brian Edwards. I know you're a Gator. You slant Florida. And I know you believe that as long as Trask is there, they've got a great chance uh, to take out Oklahoma. I'm just going to back the Sooners again with the qualifier. What happens with COVID-19 that we can't possibly know the answer to right now and we still got a few days to go? Well, I'll just say that I, I anticipate Kadarius Tony opting out. Uh, now, I have, have not gone to his Twitter account today. I'm on a beat writer for UF's Twitter account right now, and I don't see anything about it yet. And I saw a late-night uh, tweet from Trayvon Grimes uh, last night, and uh, it, it was basic. It, I took it as implying he was opting out of the bowl game. 
uh, it said something uh, like, I've been counted out so many times, something to that effect. And then he goes, now it's time to pay up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even see it being uh, retweeted by the UF Beat Writers Twitter page that I'm on right now. So I kind of took that as him opting out. But I will say, um, and and Trask is playing, but look, I think Emory Jones is ready to step in next year and be really good. And had he opted out, I think Emory Jones would be ready to play and, and, and ready to play well and effectively in this bowl game. But even if Grimes and Tony, who I already know Pitts, have opted out, I mean, Florida's First off, they're outstanding at tight end. Keon Zipperer had two touchdown catches uh, when when Pitts was out against Arkansas. Uh, The wide receiver depth is is terrific. Uh, They throw to the running backs a lot. Um, I don't – I mean, look, obviously it's a downgrade when Kadarius, Tony, and Pitts aren't out there, and certainly Grimes as well. But Florida has a very deep wide receiver core. Jacob uh, Copeland, Xavier uh, Henderson, Tripp Whitmore – you know, I still think uh, even if they're without three of their best players uh, and targets of Kyle Trask, that Florida's offense will be effective. But, you know, you got Marco Wilson out there, and so much for him making up for the shoe throw. Seven missed tackles, eight targets equals eight receptions Saturday night in Atlanta. Mm-mm-mm. Well, and so uh, just real quick, one more. If Tony and Grimes, let's say neither one playing, both out along with Pitts, would that be enough to move that line maybe down to a pick to take those Trask weapons away? Or do you think Florida would still be favored? Again, we're just posing the hypothetical because we don't know about the COVID-19 sure. cancellations. Yeah, I think, I think that would probably be enough to make it a pick And But, you know, I obviously what I'm saying will sound extremely ignorant if one team or the other wins by exactly one or exactly two points. But I just don't. I don't take it as a huge line move when one team goes from minus two to plus two. Um, it's certainly not like, you know, a four-point line move from eight to 12 crossing a key number, you know, unless it hits with one team winning by exactly one or exactly two, it, you're really just picking who's going to win. So I don't take the line move like that to be that huge of a deal. And as I say that, one one team's going to win by, <laughs> by one or two. two points. But I like <laughs> Oklahoma to win this game. So it just it's a benefit, it's a bonus for me that I'm getting points if that's the case. We'll see what they do for the line. And just one more, the night before is the Colorado-Texas game. Under your theory of who's disinterested, Texas has shown before they get disinterested in these games. Colorado only lost one Pac-12 game. Colorado only one of two Pac-12 teams that's even playing in a bowl game because of their bizarre season they've had and a bunch of their schools opting out. Just keep an eye on that one as well. I'm not taking the Buffaloes, but they're getting nine, eight and a half, or nine points right now for that game, which is next Tuesday night, that bowl game uh, that is slated to take place. I think we're good for the moment on college. Did you have one more on an under-over before uh, before we're done with next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's games? Did you have another one? No, I was just going to real quickly add the last time I thought Texas was going to be disinterested is when they had multiple players opting out after the Iowa State loss, and I took K-State, and they hung 69 <laughs> on my face. So just uh, throwing that out there. Be aware, on, uh, <laughs> be aware on that one. And you didn't have any other under-overs that you liked, at least for this week. You are peeking ahead to what uh, the, the New Year's Day games and the college football playoff games. we got time to talk about those on next week's show, right, before we get to those. 
Well, just real quick, I'll say I, I know they're paused. Iowa is, but I like over 50 and one half against Missouri, assuming that game gets played. And that could be a game where uh, UAB could step in. But Missouri has given up 48, 49, and 51 points uh, in their last three games. Mm. And Nick Bolton, their two time all SEC linebacker, has opted out. So if that game gets played, I like over 50 and a half Iowa Missouri. Can Iowa score enough to get that over 50 and a half? You seem to think that they will in that matchup. And again, that is a Wednesday afternoon game, uh, six days away from Three Dog Thursday. One more time, Brian and I are, are only getting one crack at this. We don't know who opts out, who's not playing. It, it, it again, will surprise me. I'm calling it right now. You're going to see at least a couple of bowl games lose a team, if not get canceled between now and next week. Because, Brian, that's been the whole end of the regular season where we're losing games two or three days before they're played. It is foolish. It is fantasy land to think that's not going to happen this weekend or next Monday or Tuesday right before a game where a team says we can't play. It's going to happen. Probably two. Let's hope it doesn't happen in the biggest games, but probably two times or more. Just get ready Uh, because it's already been happening uh, throughout this week of the bowl games. Uh, as well, especially with more and more people having traveled uh, for Thanksgiving and then now traveling in and around Christmas and holidays and coming back and who's around who, just get ready. Get ready with COVID-19 and what's happening. Uh, Brian, stand by. What we need to get ready for is Peter Burns of the SEC Network. He'll be in the middle segment talking more about Alabama uh, knocking off the Florida Gators and winning the SEC title. Uh, He was right there in the midst of all of it. Host of SEC This Morning on the SEC Network. More college football talk with him, including the Auburn hire, the college football playoff, and much more. All of that is coming up straight ahead in the video roundtable segment of the podcast. It is time to talk to you about mybookie.ag. Well, every sports fan knows it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. And at MyBookie, 2020 is finishing strong with the NFL coming down the home stretch, college football in the bowl games, the return of the NBA. You can sign up right now, and you can get a halfway deposit match up to $1,000. And while you're at it, you can ring in the holidays this week with six days of giveaways. It's in progress right now. No matter when you're hearing us on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, you have until Saturday, the 26th, the day after Christmas, with my bookie hooking you up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments. And all you have to do is sign up, make your first deposit, and use our promo code code SGP. You'll get your bonus. Again, a 50% match up to $1,000. You put $100 in, they'll put $50 in. You put $500 in, they'll match $250 on that, all the way up to $1,000. Go over to MyBookie and see about all of the offers that we have through our promo code SGP. Six days of giveaways this week, ending Saturday, the day after Christmas, the 26th. Go over to MyBookie.ag. It's holiday season. Bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie.ag, the promo code SGP. And we're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. And just in time for the holidays, as part of the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, We're teaming up with Thrive Fantasy for an awesome SGP merchandise bundle. Send in a screenshot of you joining Thrive Fantasy's promo code 
SGP and signing up for Thrive Fantasy, and you've got a chance to win $100 in Sports Gambling Podcast merchandise. So email your screenshot of you joining Thrive Fantasy using our promo code SGP. Send it to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com with the screenshot, and you've got a chance to win 100 bucks for the holidays in SGP merchandise. All right, so with Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of all the research every which direction on Daily Fantasy. And instead, in the NFL, choose 10 of the 20 available player props, build your lineup, and get into the contest to play. All right, Thrive Fantasy up and rolling, not only for the Christmas Day afternoon NFL game, that is the Vikings and the Saints, but also the Saturday triple header, including my Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions playoff spot on the line. If the Buccaneers win, they are in. Tom Brady has been rolling the last couple of games, including a monster 330-yard second half last week in Atlanta. The under-over prop through Thrive Fantasy for him is 298 and a half yards uh, throwing against the Lions for Saturday afternoon. I love that prop. Get, take the over there with Brady and the Buccaneers in a must-win mode right now to try to get into the playoffs. Love that prop. And also, we've got the Hawaii versus Hawaii matchup at quarterback it appears, coming on Saturday night between the Vegas Raiders and the Miami Dolphins. We already know the Dolphins have gone to Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the top five pick uh, from last year. Dolphins now trying to get in the AFC playoffs after the win over New England last week. Now have nine wins, eliminated the, the Patriots. Tua is a two-and-a-half under-over on passing touchdowns and interceptions combined. Tua hasn't thrown a bunch of touchdowns. I don't know how many interceptions he's going to throw against a bad Raider defense. I'm inclined to take the under on the two and a half for Tua uh, on that one. And we'll see what Mariota can do uh, at quarterback. So again, for Thrive Fantasy, they've got Saturday games, including the Arizona-San Francisco game. Arizona still alive in the NFC wildcard playoff hunt uh, as they try to stay alive with a couple of player props for Kyler Murray on pass yards, DeAndre Hopkins on receiving yards. Uh, etc. Go check that out at Thrive Fantasy, as well as all of the Sunday games post-Christmas where the playoff positions are solidifying. Get those under-over props right now through Thrive Fantasy. So there are some examples of what you can do with Thrive Fantasy. Thrive has given out over $100,000 the last couple of weeks in guaranteed prizes, and they're continuing to give it out uh, right now if you get these successful props and enter their contest. They've paid out over $250,000 in cash prizes so far this season. Uh, with Thrive Fantasy. So again, sign up with Thrive Fantasy. Use our promo code SGP. And if you're a first-time depositor, you get a match up to 50 bucks when you put in. Get an instant match up to $50 on your initial deposit. So again, go get Thrive Fantasy in the Apple Store, in the Google Play Store. Download it. Find out more of the rules and regulations at thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Use our promo code SGP. We are also brought to you in part by BetterThan.Vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGENs only care about. Of course, the DGENs only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on BetterThan.Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball. Basketball, NBA will be here soon as well. 
If the free video picks aren't enough, they're giving away cash. $1,000 to the handicapper that wins the most units and $1,000 to the handicapper that has the most followers. Make sure you subscribe on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network page, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Better than Vegas, BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV so you don't miss out on any of these videos. Head over to betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas to see more. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sportsbook but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do continue along, and as promised from the SEC Network and the ESPN family of networks, it has been far too long since I've caught up with Peter Burns. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I am profoundly disappointed that you have not been doing your broadcasting duties today much less this Zoom today, in a Santa outfit with the beard. What is up? I still love you the same. How are you? I'm doing well. I got my Louisiana crawfish shirt on, um, you know, not shaven. I'm definitely holiday uh, as spirit yes. as I've got. Uh, is, is You can kind of tell some of the work Look Santa the was gifts. getting done there on the Look other side. Look at the gifts, so, and you got all the um, golf flags behind you. You got it all working right now. It's been fun, man. You know, and, and again, it's kind of crazy because I'm like, how in the hell is it already Christmas time, right? Like, how in the world did we just have the SEC championship game? Because the whole thing went by a blur. Like, it feels like – you know, I don't know where the months of March through December went in a crazy season. And, and now I look back and I go, did we really just end up getting, what, 71 games scheduled, TJ, and we ended up playing 69 of them here in this conference? We actually had a season. Like, I, I don't know if we thought that come uh, second week of August. So we were kind of – everybody was kind of a little downtrodden. So – um, instead of complaining about things, which we normally do in sports talk uh, media, I'm uh, I'm actually a little bit more um, you know appreciative of everything we've gotten this Amen. this year, to say the least. Amen. Because you got most of it played in college football. Mm-hmm. We've gotten most of it played in the NFL as well. You know, I dabble and work there. You, you see yeah. it over my shoulder on these zooms all the time. So be happy with what we've had. And let's get into what we have had because we saw Alabama and Florida play an epic SEC title game. We're seeing a highlight here of what uh, Alabama was able to do in a wild SEC championship game back on Saturday night. I I believe that guy right there, Devontae Smith, deserves the Heisman. That's a whole (laughs) other offshoot discussion. I think you agree with me. But just a quick thought on we we saw a bazillion points and, and Alabama's crowned the champs. Uh, what are your thoughts, Peter, coming off that? 
Well, first of all, you say, is the Heisman in that video? And I see Mac Jones, I see Devonta <laughs> Smith, and I see Najee Harris. So I, honestly, TJ, I, I, to go back to the Heisman Trophy real quick, I feel like it should just be a team award this year, and they share it like the Stanley Cup. Like each week, one of the other Bama guys is able to get it. Um, that would be the fair, proper way. I do think Devonta should end up winning it, but um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. As far as the SEC championship game, um, it's kind of what we thought Alabama was going to be. You know, ever, ever since a couple years ago, and I, maybe it even started with Clemson, when Clemson went kind of firepower, all offense, and, and played just good enough defense to beat Alabama, you kind of figured, all right, what's Nick going to do? Is he going to complain and go, hey, we're going to play 2010 football and we're still going to try to win three yards in a cloud of dust? Or is he going to adapt? And he did. You know, he ends up hiring Lane Kiffin then ends up hiring Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, he, he has these eclectic offensive-minded people, and he realized, hey, listen, instead of complaining about these offenses, why don't I just build it? I've got the best athletes to do it. And I think that's what played out um, in the SEC championship game. We're seeing this offense go next level. And the defense, yes, it does have issues. But in defense in 2020 in college football doesn't need to be great. What it needs to be is just enough to hold serve two or three times or to break serve and have them kick a field goal as opposed to how it was back when, you know, back in our days when they played real football on, on both sides of the ball. Very true. And, and you know this, that I got the opportunity uh, to work on national radio with Tiki Barber, three of Alabama's games in the regular season, all of them in Tuscaloosa. And that team just yeah. got better and better. And like you said, the defense uh, coming off that Ole Miss game just simply had to be decent. And, and Alabama's defense is probably better than decent, but it just has to be decent with how good that offense is. And that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. And so that sets up perfect segue into the college football playoff which, again, we could go on and on about the whole process <laughs> here, but the matchups will be Alabama and Notre Dame, Clemson and Ohio State. Full disclosure, Tiki and I worked the Ohio State-Northwestern game on national radio Saturday. Again, as I just said in our previous segment on the audio podcast, Peter, I was not impressed. I was not overly impressed. They looked like a rusty team that had only played five games and was playing their sixth game. So Ohio State gets in. Say whatever you like, including about the Alabama-Notre Dame matchup here, because there's the four, not unexpected, but there's the four. Yeah, I mean, I think what it came down to is ultimately the college football playoff, TJ, you know, tip its hand a couple of weeks prior when, it, despite having a big body of work from Ohio State, they put them in the final four already early, right? Like they realize, hey, listen, they're doing enough right now. We're not going to hold them accountable for not how many games that they play, which frankly I thought was uh, at fault. I mean, everyone complained about Crazy. Eight, eight. I'll go a step above. It's insane. It's insane to look at a team and say you've only played four or five times or three or four times, and we're going to put you as the fourth-ranked team in the country. But you're right. They were tipping their hand three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Well, and, and that's why I told A&M fans, I said, actually, the bigger, you know, you know, the bigger beef that you should have is not with Notre Dame. The bigger beef is what you should have with Ohio State. Even Dabo pointed, you know, had some fun at, at, um, at Ohio State's expense this week and says, well, I'd love to – it's going to be a little bit easier to break down their film this week because there's only six games to break down. Now, you know, that was just a little bit of needling. But I think that's also the mark of a guy that has looked at some film and says, hey, we're, we're better than this team. And, again, it's, it's not Ohio State's fault. I mean, it's not the Buckeyes' fault. They did all they could to even save college football in the Big Ten, them along with Nebraska – um, but the fact is the Big Ten ultimately get, got rewarded by their mismanagement of this offseason, and their, that Ohio State team was protected. Listen, I think the Big Ten top to bottom was down. 
I absolutely think it was down. And, and, and the fact that Ohio State still got that bid just goes to show you how big of brands there are in college football and, and frankly shines a light like a lot of this pandemic does about some of the inefficiencies of the sport of college football. Voice of Peter Burns. Again, uh, Peter, I keep saying this, so just indulge me. If you're only hearing us on the audio podcast <laughs> through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a Google Podcast, uh, however you found us on the audio podcast, come find us, see what we look like on the Three Dog Thursday YouTube roundtable page. The roundtable is a table for one. Again, Peter Burns with me here mixing it up. Love his insight from the SEC network. Does great job with, uh, with the ESPN family of networks. He was even filling in uh, this week, Christmas week, on the Dan Lebetard show. Uh, midweek, uh, if need be. Um, all right, so that segues because we're part, again, of, of the spread and the interest for underdog purposes. And these games are coming quickly. Did it surprise yeah. you, as we take a look at the number, that Notre Dame is that big of an underdog here, as we see it from our friends at mybookie.ag, that they were 20 and a half, and they're still around a 19 or 20-point underdog. Does that still surprise you that that number is not smaller for Bama and Notre Dame? The reason why, only reason why, in a weird way, I think that number should be smaller is is factors that we haven't factored in. What I mean by that, TJ, is simply the fact of um, I thought it was kind of interesting this week that Nick Saban said that he was going to send his players home for Christmas break. That hey, he didn't have the heart to to keep them here on campus. This has been a hard enough season that he said go spend time with your family. And Brian Kelly on the other side said, listen, I can't send our guys home. We just can't logistically make it happen and be safe and be ready to play for the college football playoff. So all of a sudden I started thinking, well, all right, Notre Dame was probably going to lose to Clemson had both of them been full strength, right? That happened in the ACC championship game and it wasn't close. But the reason why Notre Dame won was Trevor Lawrence didn't play and James Skowski, and they had a bunch of different players out. Well, what happens with Alabama if those kids go home for the holidays and all of a sudden Mac Jones can't play or, God forbid, Najee Harris is due to contact tracing, he can't play, and Alabama's missing five or six different key players or a whole group. Now, if it's a whole group, maybe the college football playoff committee will step in and say, hey, we'll <laughs> at least postpone this a little bit. So I think they're softening their stance on that. But – uh, that's why I'm really hesitant until I see a day before jumping on a line because I don't know who's going to be available in that game. So while, I mean, Notre Dame is a sound football team, but Alabama and Clemson are in just this rarefied air of, of unbelievable, exceptional type football. So um, again, I've, I looked at that and kind of thought, you know what, 20 might be an interesting number simply for the fact of I think that if everyone's healthy, Alabama covers that no problem. However, I'm not sure if they will have the, the, the entire group. I hope so because I hope all four are safe and, and we have a you know, full sure. strength college football playoff. Agreed with you on that. And I believe, too, was saying this uh, earlier in the podcast, if it had been Ohio State against Alabama, it probably would have been 17, 18, 19, 20 points. The same yeah. way, especially off of what Ohio State looked like last mm -hmm. weekend where they scrambled to beat Northwestern, who's offensively challenged, and that's being kind uh, yeah. on that. So we'll, we'll see. A few more minutes with Peter. i got to let him get out of here because Santa's got to get on the sleigh. He's got little kids, the whole thing, <laughs> as part of the uh, Christmas Eve edition of Three Dog Thursday. All right, so uh, I already made mention I want your thoughts on the Auburn Tigers uh, making the hire of uh, Brian Harson, the Boise State coach, 
My, yep. my comment again is I believe that you will never know this. They were in on him maybe two or three days ago in and around the Mountain West championship game. I don't think this just all of a sudden happened Monday. I think some of the other discussion and what was out there for our consumption in the media and the public's consumption was a smokescreen. I like the hire. I've said all of that. What do you say about this move? Because he's clearly an outsider coming into Auburn. Yeah, and maybe that's exactly what Auburn needs, right? A guy that's offensive-minded, so that's a pretty solid deal. A guy who has built um, a contender in Boise State and a guy that wants an opportunity to prove it against the best. And I think do sometimes, you know, a lot of the SEC administrations when in these athletic departments, they hire someone from the Saban coaching tree because it just makes sense. They know this conference. you got to know the light and you got to have the recruiting. Well, you know, how often does that work? Really not a whole heck of a lot. So if you're Auburn, go a different direction. I, you know, as far as them it being a smokescreen, perhaps, I mean, I, that almost is, TJ, as you know, giving Auburn maybe more credit than sometimes they deserve because there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. Um, I think what it came out to be is that, you know, there were boosters that said, hey, listen, I'll cut the check. We just got to make a change. So the boosters ended up doing their right. part with cutting the check. And then the administrators came in and said, all right, who are we really going to get? Um, I, I honestly, I was shocked that they didn't make a harder press for Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator at Alabama. But ultimately, he ended up parlaying that to a bigger raise at Alabama. And the same thing with Mario Cristobal, who played it like a T and got a raise out of Oregon. Yep. Um, but I think now Auburn fans are like, huh? What, that came out of left field. I think more and more Auburn fans that I personally talk to look at it and go, okay, all right, I'm, I'm okay with this, um, as opposed to, you know, the Tennessee head coach searched a couple of years ago where they're like, we're just throwing offer after offer and extension after extension after people. And I think ultimately it'll come down to if Harrison's able to block out the noise that has, and it's a lot of noise in that Auburn neighborhood with outside boosters, then ultimately it ends, ends up being a, a, a solid hire. Now, one that you needed to spend $21 million in a buyout and maybe $30 million by the time you buy out defensive staff, coordinators and whatnot. Right. Not so much. Um, but, I mean, that's football in, in 2020 in the SEC. It never makes sense. Uh, the one thing that I would also submit is Nick Saban was a total outsider to the SEC. And I know we're not Michigan going back State, that yeah. far, but he had come from Michigan State. Urban Meyer was a total outsider to the SEC, having mm -hmm. been at Bowling Green, having been at Utah. So it's not the worst thing in the world to say outsider coming in here to see what he can do uh, at Auburn. I, I don't know that it works. I just, on the surface, I like the hire, and I love the smokescreen that all the talk on Tuesday, we're taping this obviously on Wednesday, was, oh, they're going to finally get around to talking to Hugh Freeze and bring Hugh, Hugh Freeze in. And like an hour later, the word is out, the deal is done with Harson, And I'm going, smoke screen there you go on how to get the deal done with the guy that you want because i think it's fair no i said this earlier no one had that name no one had that name that tells you they were up to something and smart about it because the other names were leaking out there about who was talking give auburn a little credit I guess, a well little, and a lot of a lot of times a lot of times too people want their their clients and this comes from agents right and jimmy sexton uh, has a lot of those guys they want their name to be mentioned in, in, in these coaching searches. One, even if they aren't, just, just so it gives some kind of, oh, wow, somebody else wants you. Uh, and also, it's, it's a lot of times, it's, it, it's, it's some type of, of way to get an extension out of a program or someone to find out, hey, do they really care about you around here? And if somebody said, ah, you know what, you're good. If you want to take that job, you're like, all right, 
okay, I need to reevaluate my situation. So, yeah, politics are always in play in college football, unfortunately. All right, one more fun one here. I'm promoting a way for Peter Burns. Again, find him on social media. There that rascal is. He's always on a golf course somewhere. <laughs> you and I are golf kindred spirits. We love to hit the golf ball. You're much better at it than I am. He was a college golfer, by the way, kids, Peter Burns. So if I said to you perfect Christmas gift is, is like what course first thing in the morning or at sunset and I can just mm. wave a wand and you're there, you would, you would, uh, for what would you pick for Christmas? I mean, that, that picture right there is a pretty good one. That's the number one uh, tee shot over at Streamsong Red over in yes. Florida, which is an incredible spot right outside of where you know where Tampa. Not far, um, not far to the southeast of me. Correct. At Streamsong. Correct. Streamsong, man, is, is a pretty special place. However, like, I, like, let's just say it's like not pandemic and we can travel anywhere. You give me an opportunity to go out to uh, Kings Barnes, which is uh, close to St. Andrews over there. It's an unbelievable golf course and I love it so uh, I got a chance to take my dad out to Ireland uh, last summer uh, before kiddo number two came on the way and that was amazing so um, I, I think that's one of the cool things about it to see the growth of the growth of the game of golf so much during this pandemic like so many people are starting to pick it up so um, makes it a little bit harder to get on the golf courses but um <laughs> It's, well, it's still like a good way to spend some time. The other thing for you and me is we got to have time to get out there. But whether, yeah, whether you're talking about Brandon Dunes or Augusta or wherever, oh, yeah. we, always, we can always fantasize about the golf. But anyway, uh, good luck being Santa. You've got the little kids. They're still at the <laughs> age right now where they're as enamored with the box and the paper and the bow and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they grow up like my two, and then they suddenly are interested in clothes and makeup and, and my twin daughter. And just wait, it's coming. Just wait. Remember this conversation for years from now that it's coming on, uh, on that front. But you're a great sport to join me, Peter. It has been far too long. The SEC right in the thick of it, always relevant. We'll see what Alabama can do in the college football playoff. I love your insight. We plug away again for SEC this morning on the SEC Network, you and Chris Doring and the whole crew that do that. You're going to have plenty to talk about. Peter, thank you for hanging with me on the Free Dog Thursday podcast. I appreciate you making time. Merry Christmas to you, the family, everybody at the SEC Network. Thank you. You got it, TJ. Have a Merry Christmas to you as well, my man. We are back in here. Time to talk some more NFL football on the podcast with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, and Vegas Insider back on board. You know this has been coming because you're a Falcon apologist. You know, you know that my Buccaneers uh, coming roaring back after spotting Matt Ryan yet again. He's going to see Tom Brady forever in his nightmares. It doesn't matter what, what the lead is, how big the lead is. Brady's coming roaring back against him. Your Falcons were up 17-0 at the half at home. And the Bucs come roaring back to win 31-27 and put themselves on the doorstep of an NFC playoff spot as soon as this Saturday. If the Buccaneers win, they're in the playoffs. So I got to give you a little grief here. That's the third time this year that Atlanta's blown a lead of at least 16 or more in the second half of a game. 17 in the second half at 24-7. They were up. Sorry, bro. Sorry on that with my uh, with my Buccaneers putting it on you guys. Oh man, I you know I, it would it would frustrate the heck out of me in uh, September and October. But man, I, I just I'm just dialed in on a, on a draft pick. I took Tampa Bay <laughs> in game. This is not my first rodeo. I, I knew just to make it. I it was should I should mention to the audience you did text me at the half with it seventeen yeah, nothing, and you said I'm loading up on the Bucks on the second half line. Because you just believed, yeah. and, the, and the Tampa Bay has done this 
uh, with Tom Brady about a half dozen times this year where they have come out in the second half and put points. Yes, points and points and points. They did it to the Raiders in the second half. They did it to the Carolina Panthers a few weeks ago in the second half. Boat raced them in the second half. Uh, Came out in the Chiefs game and scored a bunch of points in the second half. Uh, so you just you were feeling it, and so I'm glad that my Bucks could help you right before Christmas with a Christmas gift against your your Falcons at the expense uh, of uh, of Atlanta. All right, so that leads us to this weekend on Three Dog Thursday, and we already have very very interesting subplots. Uh, you and I are staying away from Minnesota, New Orleans. New Orleans off the second straight loss; they lose to Kansas City at home. They already have to play on Friday on Christmas afternoon against a Viking team that was in the NFC playoff picture until back-to-back losses to my Buccaneers and then last week to the Bears has basically eliminated them from any hope. But Minnesota playing New Orleans, rematch of the playoff win by the Vikings and Kirk Cousins in New Orleans last year on the opening weekend of the playoffs. Must win still for the Saints because, my friend, if the Saints lose... And the Buccaneers win. The division is still on the line for Week 17, where one more Saints loss because they have the tiebreaker on the Bucks if they finish uh, head to head at uh, at um, 11 and five. But if the Saints lose to finish 10 and six, if they lose out, the Buccaneers can win the division by winning the last two games. So this is big for New Orleans on Christmas Day, and then the Bucks following it up. On the Saturday triple header that the NFL is doing, playing at lowly Detroit. So uh, this is still good scenarios for my Buccaneers for the playoff picture and maybe even the division, Brian Edwards. Uh, Did Minnesota cut their kicker after that (laughs) cover at Tampa Bay? Because if they cut their kicker, maybe I do lean Minnesota Uh, plus seven. I believe no. Dan Dan Bailey, the veteran, is still there. They owe him a bunch of money. They kept Ah, him, and he actually did make a couple of kicks, but... Uh, yeah, I just okay. wonder okay. about New Orleans because Drew Brees began the game 0 for 5. At one point was 7 for 19 in the game. I think he even got up to like 7 for 20 or 7 for 21 in the game trying to throw the ball. Might they, out of desperation, go back to Taysom Hill if Brees struggles? Because again, if New Orleans loses, you're opening the door now for Tampa Bay to have a chance to win the division. Yeah, yeah, man, I don't know why, and forgive me as I would always be on top of this, but I was in Atlanta all weekend, and obviously I was at the game late the night before and catching up with a bunch of good college buddies. So I, I you know, I didn't have many NFL picks going. So I wasn't even aware they were definitely, definitively going to start Breeze. And so when it, you know, when, when I'm flipping around watching the games at one, I saw Breeze on the field and I was kind of shocked. Um, I was like, why? So I'm, I'm just kind of puzzled why they rushed him back. I mean, I, I get that you got to get him a game or two under his belt before the playoffs, but that could have started this week. And uh, yeah, I was surprised they got him, had him back out there last week, and um, he didn't look very good. Well, and obviously, it's worth mentioning again here uh, that Taysom Hill had success. They obviously believe in him, and Jameis Winston remains midweek here on the COVID-19 list. His status in limbo. Might Sean Payton decide for Friday, a couple of days from when we are taping and right after this podcast debuts, that they go with Taysom Hill again 
I'm not, uh, I don't have that on any authority. I'm not sure. It's clearly the end for Breeze, physically. It's the end of his career right now because he has trouble throwing the ball down the field. Uh, can they can they mask that enough in a win over Minnesota? And then my Buccaneers favored once again by nine and a half over Detroit. You're aware of the Detroit non-coaching situation that midweek their coaches aren't allowed in the building. They're coaching right now via Zoom. They have some different assistants that are trying to run practice. The interim coach, Darren Bevel, the uh, offensive coordinator who took over from Matt Patricia a couple of weeks ago, he's not allowed in the building right now, Brian Edwards. So he's having to coach virtually. It's not certain whether he can coach the game Saturday. There are three defensive assistants that are not allowed to coach right now that are testing and may not be able to coach the game. So as if Detroit didn't have enough problems, Matt Stafford is also injured with a rib injury and questionable in this one. Now you got the Bucks in must-win mode. This is this is looking good right now for Tampa Bay. You got to go out and you got to play well. They didn't play well in the first half last week, but man, Detroit. We're not even sure. Is this like the ghost of Wayne Fonts that may, that may coach the Detroit Lions? I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who's available. Yeah, their best lineman, Frank Ragnow, also out. and uh, I mean, he was out last week, and they get beat by 21. Um, yeah, uh, I don't like laying big numbers on the road, but if I – and I know we're here to talk underdogs, but I'll just say avoid Detroit as an underdog. That's a good way to put it, avoid them. All right, I know you're going to get to a Sunday dog. An NFL underdog, a pro football underdog that I like is the Saturday night game, Las Vegas and Miami, a.k.a. the Hawaii Bowl or the Hula Bowl, because we know Tua Tonga-Vailoa is playing for Miami, who has done a complete reversal. What an incredible job Brian Flores has done to get them now to nine wins and in the, on the cusp of the AFC playoffs. They're definitely in the playoff picture with two to go. Great win over New England for them. Put the dagger in the Patriots. Let me hear some more about how it wasn't Tom Brady more than it was Bill Belichick. Because if New England loses Monday night football, that's a losing season. Buccaneers look like they're going to win at least 10, if not 11. Game over on the discussion about Brady versus Belichick in the short term of who missed whom uh, that badly. But in any event, Miami beat New England last week ended the the Patriots' playoff hopes. They have nine wins. Vegas right behind them right now, uh, trying to chase them in the AFC wildcard playoff picture, can still stay alive with a win Saturday night and may go to Marcus Mariota, who played the entire Thursday night, second half and overtime after Derek Carr hurt his groin. We know midweek, and again, this is a shorter week because it's a Saturday night game, Carr was limited in practice on Tuesday. We don't have the practice report on Wednesday at the time we're taping. It would not surprise me that Derek Carr's not playing, and this is Mariota against Tua. I like the Raiders to get enough defense and and Mariota to spark them enough on a full game to win this game outright. I'll take the three points. Vegas has been good as a home underdog already this season. Speaking of the Saints, they beat them outright earlier this year as a home underdog. They have covered a couple of other times as a home underdog uh, as well. I know they lost um, as a uh, as a home underdog to Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago. But my Lord, uh, Brian, give me a thought. They had first and goal at the six-yard line in the overtime to win the game with a touchdown to beat the Chargers. 
uh, and couldn't get it done, didn't get in the end zone, and uh, and ended up kicking a field goal. And then San Diego, or I'm sorry, L.A. goes to the other end and gets the touchdown to beat them. Um, but I, I like Mariota coming back here in the game against Tua. I will take the points uh, and the Raiders to win this game outright. You got any thoughts on all of that that I just said there about this matchup? Well, just a, a couple of, or really just one small thing that also uh, helps your argument is the Raiders have extra rest and uh, that they played Thursday night, which would also eliminate any concerns about the fact they played an extra quarter and extra plays in an overtime game, but they also have uh, extra rest. And Mariota looked, looked, pretty, looked pretty good last week, so uh, no, no argument here on that one. We do know about the Miami Dolphins as well, and they've come to the West and won. Brian Edwards came all the way out to Santa Clara, even though the 49ers are no longer playing there. They were playing there earlier this year. Dolphins beat them in Santa Clara. They came all the way. Yeah, yeah, yes. They came all the way West and beat the Cardinals in Arizona, but they've had to continually go back to Miami and then come back West. I just, I like Vegas. Uh, here with John Gruden. There's a lot of criticism of Gruden and the defense, and this is year three, and can they get in the playoffs or not? I think they're going to at least stay alive here and beat Miami on Saturday night. I like the outright win. All right, so that is my uh, my first underdog uh, for the NFL. You have an underdog that you like for the NFL, and it is going to Sunday post-Christmas. Give me the doggy and why. Yeah, so Pittsburgh looks awful right now, but they are a home underdog, and they are 7-2 and two against the spread uh, as a home underdog uh, going back uh, to the 2017 campaign. And, you know, I just think that Mike Tomlin is too good of a coach. They have too much talent. You know, they got complacent. You you and, don't and believe, let me stop you. You don't believe it's a sinking ship after what we saw Monday night in the loss to the Bengals. You believe they can rectify that even at home against a good Indianapolis team. You're not buying that they are now spiraling on three straight losses? No, they are spiraling. There's no question about it. But a home game is the perfect place to right the ship after two garbage road performances and you know let's remember they had those look at they played three games in 11 days and then you know they overlooked a Cincinnati team which they shouldn't have been overlooking after back-to-back losses but uh I I, I just think Mike Tomlin will have those guys ready um the defense has not been horrible it's just been so many drop passes and the offense is just um, has had opportunities. They just, they just, the offense has just been abysmal here uh, for four weeks in a row. Uh, but they're at home and they're a home underdog. They, they, they've only lost once outright as a home dog. Never should have lost that game. Uh, and uh, I think they're ready to write the ship. Uh, the three games in, uh, uh, what was it? Yeah, three games in 11 days was, uh, you know, something NFL teams don't have to deal with. Uh, they've had some injuries, but uh, they didn't have any new fresh injuries, uh, or at least nobody. There's there's a couple guys questionable this week, but um, nobody's been ruled out that's a new injury from Monday night. And uh, I think that uh, Pittsburgh will right the ship, win outright, and uh, get get back uh, get back going again. They have obviously uh, had problems with James Conner being healthy, not been able to run the ball. Um, and it, it looked a lot like what the Bucks slept walk through in the first half 
against Atlanta, although the Bucs didn't turn it over like uh, what Pittsburgh did. But the Bengals being up 17-0 at home with Ryan Finley at quarterback, I had every confidence Pittsburgh was going to come back and still tie the game, if not win the game. And they had chances in the second half of the game, but yeah. the, Bengals, the Bengals deserve credit on that. couple of stats, because you love these stats. If people are wondering... Has an 11-0 team ever lost out? And you got to ask this question because Indianapolis is a playoff caliber team with 10 wins and Cleveland has now won a 10th game and has a chance still to win the division head-to-head against Pittsburgh. So both of those teams could still beat the Steelers here at the end. The answer is no. A team has never been 11-0 and then lost the final five games. You rarely get to 11-0. So that would be a first. The Steelers are already the first 11-win team to ever lose to teams that had won four games or less uh, on two occasions. And that was the loss to Washington and the loss the other night to Cincinnati. Never before in the NFL has a team won at least 11 and then gone on to lose two or more games to teams that had won four or less games at the time they were playing them. So that's... That's crazy enough. You believe in Mike Tomlin and the Steelers to turn it around. Indy, again, has bounced back from being whacked by Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Phillip Rivers still playing great football, and they now have won three straight games, beating the Texans twice and beating the Raiders in the middle with Jonathan Taylor at running back. That is an early Sunday matchup in that one in the NFL in Pittsburgh for Indy and Pittsburgh. I am going to swing to the Dallas Cowboys once again on Three Dog Thursday. I like what I've seen out of the Cowboys. I know the competition, not very good with Cincinnati, who we were just talking about last week against San Francisco. They still gave up a lot of points to the beaten up 49ers. But Dallas at home against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, this will be a very interesting dynamic For the NFC East, that awful comical division, Brian, here's the scenario. The Giants are playing Baltimore Sunday 1 o'clock. Baltimore heavily favored by 11, 10 and a half, 11 points. If Baltimore wins, then the Redskins, the former Redskins, the Washington football team, they realize that they can win the division on Sunday with a victory because of all the tiebreakers, etc. A seventh win will put them in if the Giants lose. That's a late game. So Washington, Carolina, same time as Dallas and Philadelphia. And this is the cool thing once you get to Week 16, Week 17, Brian, you can start scoreboard watching. So they will be scoreboard watching. Is Washington winning or not? Because if the Cowboys win and Carolina beats Washington, then Dallas is in great shape here for the final weekend to maybe still win the division. As incredible as that sounds, Philadelphia would also still be alive if Washington is losing. Washington and Philadelphia play the final weekend. The Giants and the Cowboys play the final weekend. Washington does have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Dallas with both wins already this year. But I like Dallas at home. They have covered as the home underdog three times in the last five games, uh, including uh, the most recent cover that they had uh, at home as a home underdog. So I I will take them uh, here, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, in this matchup. They've covered three of the last five, I should mention, as an underdog, period. So I will take them as the home underdog in this matchup uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Hurts looked good again last week, but they couldn't pull off a comeback win at Arizona. I like Dallas in the late afternoon spot against the Eagles. 
which again, depending on how the Washington game is going, the division may be over with, Brian. But I like Dallas here getting the two or the two and a half with Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon. Any thoughts on all of that? The NFC least could be wrapped up with Washington getting a seventh win if the Giants go ahead and lose. You know, Giants are just not getting enough uh, quarterback play. I love the QB play. Jalen Hurts is giving Philly. But uh, I just think Washington's defense is going to carry – uh, carry it, and I, I think that uh, that they'll beat Carolina, and um, I, I just like Washington's chance. You got this whole uh, controversy too with Alex Smith injured, the veteran who's come back from injury, and what a great story! He's got the injured calf. Can he play Sunday? We don't know that midweek. And Dwayne Haskins, the second-year Ohio State quarterback, is basically being uh, right now. Uh, vilified for showing up at a yeah. strip club without a mask on. He's on social media. Uh, his own team, it, it was announced Wednesday, stripped him of his captaincy. He was voted one of the captains before the beginning of the year. Is Haskins going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Alex Smith? We don't know. But it's a must win for Washington <laughs> because if they don't win, then if the Giants do win and the Philadelphia-Dallas winner, either one of those teams can still catch them in the final week. So this is it's comical in the NFC East, but the division race is still on, and we'll wait and see what who happens. Is there, with Kyle Allen out for the season, who is there? Did they, I'm not, there I'm not even sure who the, who yeah, the Washington either. football team has been able to find uh, as of yet uh, to be their quarterback, and, and Haskins didn't play very well against the Seahawks to begin with last week, and now you have the other right. controversies. So. We'll see how this goes for the matchups in the NFC East, but I will take Dallas and the plus two. All right, so that's plenty of NFL conversation. That includes a great Sunday night game, by the way, where Tennessee is the three-point underdog against Green Bay. And then the Buffalo Bills, who clinched the AFC East for the first time since Bill Clinton's second term as president had just begun and cranked up. 1995 is the last time the Bills uh, we're in the winner's circle in the AFC East. Uh, that's incredible. Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas. I, I think that was still the fringe. I think that's still the fringe of Jim Kelly, Believe. Thurman Thomas. If not, it was still you know like Frank Reich and Doug Flutie sure. and that whole that whole group uh, when they won in the yeah. mid to late nineties. After that, uh, what a great scene too. Buffalo returned. I, I had Denver on Three Dog Thursday, and Buffalo made me look foolish with how they popped Denver last Saturday, and they returned late Saturday night and had thousands out in the cold and snow trying to socially distance uh etc but they were trying to catch a glimpse of the bills they have such love for the bills in buffalo and now they will play new england on monday night with buffalo still very much in the hunt for the uh for the two seed right now behind kansas city in the afc playoffs with a chance to give new england a losing season patriots have not had a losing season under bill belichick one more loss guarantees that We'll see if Buffalo gives it to them on Monday Night Football. Brian, as always, great stuff. Plug away where they can read you, find you on social media, and more with the bowl games and the NFL. Go for it, sir. Yeah, you follow me on Twitter at Vegas uh, B. Edwards. Uh, you can find my uh, content on VegasInsider.com and MajorWager.com. And you can also uh, give Major Wager's uh, Twitter account a follow at MajorWagerUno, U-N-O. Merry Christmas, TJ. Hope you have a great one. Thanks for having me. 
And uh, Merry Christmas to your listeners as well. Love it. Love the underdogs. Again, we had four of them last week, including T.C. Martin coming through with Northwestern in the Big Ten title game on our video roundtable. Brian's always great with the info. Again, lock it in on MajorWager.com and his Twitter handle at VegasBEdwards for the bowl games and all the stuff this weekend. Brian, Merry Christmas. Thanks also to Peter Burns of the SEC Network, SEC Network uh, Morning Show, SEC This Morning, and the ESPN platforms. Bunch of SEC talk from him in the middle segment. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. For the audio podcast, find the video on the Three Dog Thursday YouTube roundtable. For now, we are done. Merry Christmas, everybody. One more show in advance of New Year's and the New Year's Bowl games and the final weekend of the NFL season. That's coming next week on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.